This is Women's Tech Radio, a show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles and how they're successful in technology careers. I'm Paige. And I'm Angela. Well, Angela, this week we have Sara joining us, and she is a new coder out in Austin, and she talks us through her journey and just some really awesome stories um, just about how she got here and what she's been through, and it's a great interview. It is. And before we get into it, I just want to mention that you can support Women's Tech Radio by going to patreon.com forward slash today. That is a, a general bucket that supports the entire network, but more specifically, because you listen to Women's Tech Radio, you are supporting us as well. So go to patreon.com forward slash today. And we get our, into our interview today by asking Sarah what she's up to in technology today. Uh, essentially, right now, I'm a software developer. I live in Austin, Texas. I was a journalist and I worked in digital media for 10 years prior to making that transition, which I did with the help of a code boot camp uh, in Los Angeles called Sabio, which focuses particularly on women and uh, minorities trying to diversify the tech scene out there. So, yeah, so currently I've been working on uh, UIs, uh, utilizing Angular, Bootstrap, and C Sharp. How do you wrap the C Sharp into that? So essentially, we're building the UI out for this uh, device, and the backend is being written in Java. So we're writing a you know dummy backend or whatever in C Sharp just to be able to test the the UI out. So oh, that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you've had kind of a, a fun journey. Did you start in Austin and end up back there? How does how did that all go around? Yeah, sure. So it's kind of a funny story, just because um, I ended up moving between LA back and I ended up back and forth between LA and Texas so many times that I would literally be in Austin saying, "Hey, I'm going to LA," and everyone asked me, "Didn't you just move here?" And I'd be like, "Yes, but I'm going back." And then I'd be back in LA, and everyone's like, "Hey, didn't you just move to Texas?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. So my family's actually from a town here on the Texas border called Eagle Pass. And uh, my dad went to grad school in L.A., at UCLA. And so I um, ended up living in L.A. for part of my, my childhood. And then um, moved to San Antonio, finished high school out here. Went to school in California, worked in Texas, moved to California, moved back to Texas, moved to California, moved back to Texas. So <laughs> it was really just kind of something that I think, you know, you, you become a grown up and you say, hey, what kind of quality of life is for me? And personally, I my most of my family's in Texas and the pace is just a little bit more my speed because being stuck in traffic in L.A. just wasn't as fun for me anymore. So. So yeah, so Austin's great. I think sometimes it is a little bit of a small town for someone who's used to something bigger. But what I really like about Austin, what I really appreciate, particularly in the tech scene and, and a lot of the work I do with women who code, is that it's really easy to know people and get to know people and network with people. And you can literally meet a CEO somewhere, connect with them on LinkedIn, get coffee with them. It's really kind of a more intimate community, I think, than like a place where LA where there's just, so first of all, it's just hard to meet people because you have to go across like this huge 60 square mile area just to get anywhere. And then you can't even just get there. You have to fight traffic. And once you get there, everyone is very much interested in, you know, who are you? What can you do for me? Why would I want to talk to you? It sounds a lot like Austin is, is very much like Portland. Ah, yeah. You know, this is I a frequent been... comparison that is made. Really? Is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's why we share the slogan. Keep it weird. Yeah. Keep it weird. 
Paige is from Portland, so. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. I, you know, my brother went to Reed. He's a he's a graduate, so that's really the only time I've ever been to Portland. But so I can't really speak. But it was really nice when I was there. Just a little bit cold for my taste. It is. It is. Uh, the the seasons are a bit. You know, it gets cold. I would rather live like in the LA area mostly, but uh, I detest cars and traffic for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yes. If I can avoid using a car, I will opt for that every time. Um, I feel you, girl. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So what do you think is like besides the like, so you've kind of outlined why LA is not the scene that Austin is, but what do you think it is that makes Austin the scene it is? Because I've been to other small tech cities and they kind of, they <laughs> don't like, like even in Portland, I would say, you have to kind of work to get to meet a CEO. Like, mm-hmm. like, and we have we have a fair number of startups, the startup scene, because everybody's migrating north from Silicon Valley and they're winding uh-huh. up either in Portland or Seattle. Okay. And, um, but, you know, we have a pretty good scene. It's a couple of years old now, really, of kind of getting going, but like trying to network in that is still still sort of difficult. Like, So, so what do you think makes the community in Austin tight? So um, I think that, you know, my father's a history professor, and so I frequently uh, fall back on things like context and history to kind of think about things like that. So Austin has been traditionally a really small town in Texas. So most recently, I think Austin has experienced probably the last decade in particular, a lot of growth uh, compared to what it was historically Austin was like the smallest city, you know, major city in Texas. I mean, Dallas, Fort Worth were bigger. Houston was bigger. Even El Paso was bigger. San Antonio certainly was bigger. So Austin's growth has been really recent. And so I think that that kind of like small town flavor, that small town culture is still very much kind of part and parcel of the community here. And I think that the kind of the way that came about was that, you know, again, Austin's a small town. So then people start moving here from other parts of Texas. Um, and you know, it's still a small town. So people kind of adapt that culture and then people start moving here from other parts of the country and that's the culture. And so I think it's just kind of, I think that that's due mostly to the fact that historically Austin was a pretty small town and still is compared to a lot of the other major Texas metropolitan areas. And so, um, that being said, uh, you know, I, I know I have a lot of, you know, obviously I, I spent a good chunk of my life in California, I know people, I know there's crazy people in Texas, <laughs> but people are really nice. Uh, there is, there is a good part about Texas that, you know, there is, there, there really is like a genuinely, genuine friendliness uh, in the culture here, which you may not know if you don't get past like the crazy gun stuff. Um, but, you know, and, and that, I think that's another part of it is it's just, you know, people are nice here. And, you know, to your point about, the startups, you know, kind of moving and relocating. I have heard on more than one occasion that, um, you know, startup founders or, you know, venture capitalists will say things like, well, Austin has like a really good, um, you know, life, work-life balance if that's what you're into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally <laughs> As though it were that. a bad thing, right, to not be working all the time. <laughs> And so, you know, kind of to that point, there's just so many, so Austin, Austin's a really social networky town. I mean, you can literally be drinking every night of the week here, meeting people if you wanted to do that. I've, you know, I've definitely had weeks where I do go to two or three events and, um, you know, so, so yeah, so those, those are my thoughts. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to put that. I think that, I think Portland has some of that heritage, but it's been a little, a little longer 
and the, uh-huh. I think the influx is a little bit higher. The, the yeah. like the gentrification in Portland is is starting to pick up pretty bad. I think we had like a thirty percent rent increase in the past year. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I, yeah. It's pretty unreal. Yeah. House values are going up here in Seattle. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. Like a lot. It's a. It is literally like Silicon Valley is just spreading. Wow. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. You know, like I like the history as well. So it'll be interesting to see the numbers come in in the next couple of years of how things change and and why. Yeah, similar things are happening in Austin, and everyone kind of has different feelings about it. But um, you know, you can't really stop demographic shifts, right? So mm-hmm. you do. Yeah, yeah. We just have to try to, I think, be conscious of them. You know, Absolutely. We can't stop them, but we can do it intentionally. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. So you, uh, you started out in journalism. Yes. So you know, that's. Um, I get that question sometimes when, you know, people hear about my background, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I went to, I went to school and I actually thought I was going to go to law school. I took the LSAT and all that. And I was just thinking, Hey, I'm going to do this journalism thing for a year before I apply to law school. Well, once came time to apply to law school, I thought, Oh my God, I do not want to go to law school. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up making a career out of journalism and I loved it and I was really good at it and I did it in two languages and unfortunately I came into journalism right at that turning point where the web was starting to overtake media um, in a really kind of forceful way. Like I was literally sitting in, I've literally sat in meetings where people were saying, you know, we actually have more hits on our website than we have subscribers, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so um and then, if, you know, the recession hit and, you know, media companies. So, I mean, I tell people sometimes, like, I've been laid off like three times. Mm. And they look at me with these, like, ho- you know, horror in their eyes. I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just working in the media. And that's unfortunate. But that's the reality is, you know, every, every, you know, every quarter you got to have profits because it's a publicly traded company and the first ones to go. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I worked in newspapers here in Texas. I worked in uh, Brownsville, Austin, in San Antonio. So, I actually lived here in Austin about 10 years ago, uh, first time. And, uh, you know, and I loved it. I was great at it. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for me. Um, and then I thought, okay, hey, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to change careers. And I started um, a master's in community counseling. Hmm. Because through my work as a journalist, people are always telling me all their problems anyways. And I'm a really <laughs> And I thought this will be really great because I'm bilingual. You need more bilingual health workers, right, in Texas. And then I got pulled into a startup <laughs> and I loved it. And so I started doing um, digital media. I worked in um, a uh, like an industry publication called Inside Facebook, uh, kind of covering the Facebook platform right around the time that Facebook was really digging deep into monetization and rolling out the pages mm-hmm. product and things like that. So I have some pretty detailed uh, memories, excruciatingly detailed memories about Facebook's development as a monetized platform. But um, yeah, and then I started this other startup. It was called News Taco, and it was like a digital English language publication for Latinos. And then I worked at a uh, another digital startup when I moved to LA called MeToo, MeToo Network. And it's a, it was a YouTube network. I think now it's kind of more newfangled, uh, new media company. So kind of through all of that, I, um, you know, I see it as kind of like a steady progression of, you know, what media is essentially these days. Anybody can write, anybody can take pictures, anyone can do video. So media really is more about 
the medium, right? The medium is the message, right? Um, So that medium is technology. And so my last position, I really kind of started to dig deep into some more technical things in YouTube's uh, backend stuff. And I thought, hey, I can handle technical stuff. I learned all this stuff. And uh, and it's something I'd been wanting to do for a while. So I decided that I was just going to get a a job, marketing job or content management, whatever I could get. And I was going to figure out how to learn to code. And, and so I'm doing this. I literally have these jobs I'm going to apply to. I'd moved back to Austin. I was kind of freelancing. And like I'm fixing to apply to these jobs like the next day. And my friend Liliana Monge from L.A., who I met when I was working in L.A., um, I, we were actually in a room. We were in a girls in tech uh, LA event, and we were both like, where are the other Latinas? <laughs> we kind of <laughs> like made a beeline for each other because there were like literally only four of us there. Um, so that's how I met her. And so she calls me up. She says, Sara, she's a co-founder of Sabio, this uh, boot camp that I mentioned. She says, Sara, we have a spot for you. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, this is like almost like fateful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes things just line up like that. Mm-hmm. It's really lined up. So I kind of said, hey, you know what? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's literally knocking down my door. So I kind of dropped my plans to apply to these jobs. I started you know, Code School, Code Academy, JavaScript, all this stuff. Um, response, you know, what's Bootstrap? What's responsive design? You know, C Sharp, you know, SQL. And uh, so that's what I did. And then I went to Sabio last year, and then I moved back in December, and I had an excruciating job search. I tell people, don't look for a job in December and January, <laughs> <laughs> especially as a newbie. It was just, it was, it was hard. I mean, I, I wrote a story about it on my, um, I have a platform for Latinos in technology and STEM. It's called Mass Wired, and. Um, I had like 40 interviews between like phone calls with recruiters and phone long calls online and in-person interviews and technical interviews over the phone and those kind of like shared develop. I mean, just, it was just, I counted them. Right. And it was just, so it took me months. And I finally, when I did get a job offer, I got two. (laughs) (laughs) Where were you guys all these time? (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? So, um, so yeah, so since, you know, since April, so it's been about going on seven months, I've been working as a software developer and, um, it's a little bit overwhelming. I'd say like journalism, I just journalism and writing and kind of digital media stuff. I just got so good at it that I could do with my eyes closed. And certainly that's not something that you ever feel (laughs) working in technology. So it's been an interesting adjustment, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I made that transition. That is an awesome story. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Lots of moving. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am just like, ugh. And I'm actually buying nice things now. So I'm like, I'm only going to move once or twice more. It sounds that's, like you're staying. Yeah, that's when you know you've settled. I'm still, yeah. I'm still not doing that. Yeah, you know? keeping the boxes uh, broken down in the garage. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah. But, you know, I'm nomadic, so it works oh, that yeah. way. Oh, um, yeah. Had my nomadic years. Mm, I don't think I'll, I'll give them up. My my dad said to me one time, he's like, Paige, I'm pretty sure there's not gypsy blood in the family. I'm like, Dad, I think you're wrong. <laughs> but uh, so so, funny. I have so many questions out of your story. I guess the first one is you feel like like being at a boot camp that was focused on diversity made a difference in the way that you learned or how you networked afterwards or the support that you got afterwards, like any of that stuff. 
Sure. So I, I can't really speak because I've never been to any other boot camps. That being said, I, I have been around other boot camps, uh, you know, here in Austin, certainly. And I've heard things from I have friends who've gone through, you know, Maker Square, or General Assembly or, you know, whatever other ones. Right. Um, we have some Austin Code School or Austin Code Club or something. So uh, I would say I think for me personally, um, you know, and journalism is also a very male-dominated profession. So I wasn't like so freaked out around being around men. But the I went to Stanford as an undergrad, and I just remember being very put off by those tech people. And so I was I was scared about that. And so I think for me, going to Sabio was was really kind of much more warm and inviting, and um, made me feel like technology was for me. And so that made a huge difference. I think, you know, there were other women there, there were other Latinos there, you know, um, there, you know, there was African Americans there. It was just like, you know, it was just kind of an environment that I, I felt comfortable in while learning this, you know, difficult material, right. In a very stressful environment. So I think as far as the recruiting goes, um, you know, LA's tech market. I think my, I think I would have my job search would have gone a lot easier had I been in LA because it's just a bigger market. I think part of the trouble that I had um, in Austin finding a job or why it took me so much longer than it should have is it's just a smaller market, and you know, people here or the companies here seem to really be waiting for those unicorns to come along. You know the the I saw Joe I saw a meme the other day it's like we're looking for someone in their 20s with 30 years experience oh yes I've yeah. seen that one before exactly. yeah and so um you know, level seven years experience exactly right. and that's kind of what I kept running into is we want a junior developer for this position who is really 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 good I'm like <laughs> yeah. okay you know so so yeah so I what I think that I do appreciate about Sabio and this is my experience um is that they're very focused on creating a community and a network. I think because of those types of students that they're focusing on, they understand that, hey, you probably don't have a network in tech. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you would have a network in tech and you wouldn't need to come to a code school. So there's a really kind of active alumni networks that I go to all the time. Hey, what about this? Anybody know about this? Hey, you know, and like, is this normal? What should I be asking? What should I do? And for me, that's been that's probably been one of the best things about my Sabio experience. What tool What tool do you guys use to do that? We had previously used Yammer and now we're on Slack. seems like everybody is on Slack doing this these uh-huh. days. It's, it's a yep. great tool for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then if you're in LA, they have professional development seminars. They have like recruiting events. I mean, it's just really great. I think if, if you're in LA and you're going to work in LA, you know, to have this kind of tangible and virtual community. That being said, I'm my, you know, my mother still lives in LA, so I'm going down there for Thanksgiving and there's going to be like a Sabio happy hour and I may get to visit with everybody. And so, you know, I think that's, that's amazing. Like a year after I haven't seen these people, we're going to get together and have drinks and it'll be fun. So that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. How big yeah. was your class? So we had eight folks. That's, it was eight of us. That's nice. Yeah. That's a good size. Yeah. So how did you feel like your, your journalism skills, like, did you find a way to kind of translate them? I think being bilingual should have given you some, like there is some similarity between learning a foreign language and learning to code because you're essentially just learning to talk to a computer like, mm-hmm. do you feel like that influenced your learning process and or did being a journalist who's 
uh, used to kind of seeking out answers to questions? Do you think that influenced it for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that one of the things, one of the first, you know, I, I, th- I think that any anything that you have to learn changes you to a certain extent. And I would say probably one of the ways that journalism changed me the most was just really not having any feelings about asking questions, um, which is makes for some little awkward situations sometimes because they end up like interrogating people about their personal lives without really meaning to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just because I'm curious. But, um, you know, I think that served me really, really well in, in software is, well, okay, so you want this to, you want, you want this data on the front end. Why, what is it going to do once it gets there? How is this going to be used? Is this anywhere else? Like just kind of really drilling down deep into, um, you know, questions so that I can fully understand the task at hand. That has been really helpful. And I think my big, my metaphor for, um, for writing code or creating an application and certainly I'm not as proficient as I would like to be at this point, but kind of my goal is there's a really, so for me, because I've been writing for so long as a, as a profession, as a science almost, um, it's very formulaic at the end of the day. I know some people, I know a lot of people struggle with writing, but once you've written like thousands of things, it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. You, it's very formulaic, just like a, a function, right? Yep. Just like anything you're going to write in software, it's like, hey, here's the beginning. Here's a few details about the thing. Here's how they all tie together, the end. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty formulaic for me. I could write anything in a variety of ways, but at its core, that's what you're doing. And so, you know, that being said, there's a, a verbose way to do that. And there's a succinct way to do that. And there's a romantic way to do that. And there's a funny way to do that. And that's kind of how I look at software development is like, you can write the same thing multiple ways, right? So I kind of look at being a software developer and my development as a software developer is as looking at it, like being a writer, like I want to be, uh, you know, an efficient, interesting, but very pointed writer, right? Nobody wants to waste words, especially in the digital age when, if it's not 140 characters, who cares? I think code is kind of the same thing. You know, yeah, you can have, nobody reads the source code of Angular. I mean, it's just too long and it's too crazy, but people will love a code snippet, right? So how do you ingest all of this stuff and output the most elegant, quick, easy to understand solution. And so um, that's, I think, kind of to, to, to kind of address your question. I, I, see, I see software development as, you know, I see writing as a metaphor for software development in that, you know, it's very painful to learn how to do it well, but once you get there, it's totally worth it. <laughs> I really, I really like that idea. That's really cool. Like the idea of your code having your voice behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I that. I, and I've definitely noticed that I think in, I can usually tell who on a team has written something by the way it's written. Oh, that's interesting. That that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you have like super song style guides someplace too. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But especially in, in some of the more relaxed languages like JavaScript or Ruby or Python. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense actually. Now you say that I can tell I can tell too. Yeah. Huh. That's yeah, cool. if you if you like the idea of like software having a voice and being really readable, um Ruby is a fantastic language for that. It's actually one of kind of like the core foundations of the com- community. Like they've actually kind of over the years shifted to the idea that even comments are not, shouldn't be necessary. Like your code should be human readable enough yeah. that you shouldn't need comments, which I really like that idea. Yeah, that's, I like that too. So you mentioned that you had 
40 job applications. So I have two questions in that. Mm-hmm. How long did that take in a town like Austin? And what did you do while you were doing those to kind of keep yourself sharp or, you know, maybe you had to have a job or whatever. And if you had to have a job, like how did you find the time? Kind of like I have a lot of um, in my Women Who Code Next work, we have a lot of boot camp graduates who are really struggling with that process. Sure. So I totally lucked out um, in the sense that um, I was able to, you know, I've always kind of tried to have a side gig going um, just to be able to save up money. And so by the time I moved out to Austin, um, I was freelancing and I wasn't making a whole bunch of money, but I was like sustaining myself. And so I had all the savings, all this money that I had saved up. So I was able to go to the boot camp and work one contract. So it was actually, I was just telling my colleague over lunch, I am way too old to go to boot camp ever again. It was a great experience. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> I was like, what is too old? What makes you too old? I just, I just mean that, you know, I was going to boot camp 10 to 12 hours a day. Oh. And then I was going home and I was I working, yes. I was working one to two hours. And then I was trying to make my lunch yeah, and like it was and just, eat so tired it was just so exhausting and I was stretched so thin and you know when you're in 24 25 you can do that because yeah it's, you know and I'm not so I'm just it was just so intense and so hard and so I'm gonna ask that the, personal question how old are yes. you oh I'm 32 <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah 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 that's a kind of when it changes yeah exactly and it's like I say I'm an old lady everyone's like you're not an old lady Sada and I'm like I know but I'm compared to you. I'm an old lady. I'm like I'm not 24. <laughs> yeah, in, in tech um, we feel old. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, so you know that was kind of my thing was I I was able to kind of do that. And so the uh, the four month I took me four months. I think I came back in December, like a few days before Christmas, and I was still grumpy, so I kind of ruined Christmas, but. <laughs> I forgive myself. Um, but yeah, so I came back December uh, 19th and I found a job the third week in April, almost towards the end of April. I started on April 27th. So it took a while. And I think that part of it is, I think I mentioned earlier in Austin, for whatever reason, all these startups think that they're going to get senior devs. They're all, I mean, it's, it's a limited pool. Again, Austin is like maybe what a million people. I don't know what the population of Austin is, but it's not huge. It's not 6 million like LA or, you know, 8 million like New York or whatever. Yeah. Austin's less than a million people. So, but they keep thinking that they're going to, you know, everyone's holding out for that senior dev. And so, um, I've seen job postings. Like I applied, check this out. I applied to, I saw a job that I applied to earlier this year when I was looking and they're still looking for this person. So it's going on a year that they've been looking for this person. And you just kind of have to ask yourself, maybe you're not going to find that person, dude. (laughs) Yeah. It's a unicorn. Mm -hmm. Like pretty much you have to redefine it or something. Exactly. Something's got to give. So, you know, it was really difficult. So, you know, just to kind of address your issue. So yeah, I had, I had savings and I was working, um, different contracts and stuff. So I wasn't making money, but at a certain point I wasn't like losing a whole bunch of money. That being said, the balance still was going down instead of up. And so I, I got, I mean, I, you know, I, so I put, I told him this story, like I literally got to the point where I said, okay, well, 
I can't find a software job. I've tried, you know, I tried my best. It's not going to happen for me, but I'm not going to give up. I just, I need to get a day job and I'm going to support my software habit, you know, and I'm going to see how I, I, I'm going to still do this. And so I literally just, again, like not get, I didn't give up like in a really sad, you know, dramatic way, but I had just, you know, practically speaking said, Hey, I need income. So I'm going to start, I started applying to these like content marketing, digital marketing jobs and like, girl, like wildfire, people be calling me back, you know, people were like <laughs> dying to hire me because I'm so good at that stuff. And I have like, you know, 10 years experience doing that. You're a unicorn. Of work. Yeah, exactly. I am the unicorn. So, um, I was literally the day, the day I got my first job offer, I was going to have, you know, job interviews for these content jobs. And then I had to cancel them because I, I got the offers. And so that was kind of where I was at. I thought, Hey, you know what? Like, I'm not going to give up on this dream, but I have to be realistic about these parameters. And so there's that, you know, like I said, I, I was getting a little bit nervous about the balance of my savings. So, and then I think as far as like the emotional stuff, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I gained weight during the boot camp because I was working out regularly and I just had to sit there for like, you know, 14, 15 hours a day. I was just sitting. Yep. I mean, the, the closest, the best I could do was go for a walk around the block. And so... Um, I gained weight and I was like, great. So like I've gained weight. I don't have a job. Nobody hires me. Your Nobody likes going me. Down. <laughs> is going down. <laughs> it was, you know, it was depressing. It sucked. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, I think what I, um, you know, I was telling my friends recently, you know, I've gotten to that point in my life where I know myself as a well-rounded person, all like the good and the bad things. And I said, one thing that I really like about myself and I don't think that this is because I'm an extraordinary person. It's just the way that I am is um, I bounce back. You know, sometimes it takes me a few years after, you know, whatever the ups and downs of life. But I always bounce back eventually. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I kind of knew that in even when I was having bad days and like, Sada, you're going to get there. You always do like, you know. And so um, and I think the other thing is, you know, I have worked in environments that were, I guess, what you would call like sexist. Um, and, you know, I just was just like, I am not going to let these bastards get me down. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Like, That's the attitude you've got to have about anything, really. Yeah. So that was another thing. Um so yeah, and then that's actually kind of where the women who code came into the picture as I was, you know, sitting at home, feeling all like, oh, nobody likes me, I'll never be a software developer, all feeling sorry for myself and pathetic. And I thought, you know what, Sada, you need to get out of this house and you need to go talk to some other human beings because I was working from home. I said, you need to go out and you need to meet people because you can't keep hanging out with yourself only anymore. <laughs> So I, you know, I went to my first women who code event. It was a tech talk and it was okay. I wasn't like super impressed by it. Um, but then I went to another one and that's when I met some cool people. I heard some great stories. I met Holly, uh, the founder of women who code Austin and Trisha, the other co-director of women who code Austin. And I felt, I felt good being there because I thought, hey, you know, other people had struggles. I'm struggling. 
it's not me. You know, I talked to Holly. I said, Hey, this is great. I would love to be involved. Like, I mean, just off the top of my head, I don't know how else can help, but I, I can tweet. I do digital marketing. Like I can help you with that. Like, can I help you with that? She's like, great. So that same day, that same night, I, I got on, hopped on the women who code Austin Twitter and I started live tweeting the lightning talks. And, you know, after that I said, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a job. Like, I'd love, you know, any help you can give me. Also, let me know how I can help. And that was in February. And so, you know, um, kind of what happened from there was I really kind of started focusing on the Twitter account and really kind of stepped up the Women Who Code messaging, Women Who Code Austin messaging on um, on Twitter. And, you know, really cool stuff started happening. We started getting more sponsors. We started getting more members in the Women Who Code Meetup. Uh, we started being able to have panels. We had a panel about women in technology. Like, it's been really great. And then I had this idea. I said, hey, you know, we have all of these women who are coming who want to work in technology, but they don't have a portfolio. We should have like a portfolio hackathon. And we should say, we're going to focus on women and we're going to focus on diversity because nobody else in this town is focusing on diversity and we're the ones we are going to be the change that we seek. Right. So, um, it was a great idea. And then randomly started having conversations with some of the ladies that work over at Capital Factory, which is an accelerator here in town. And they said, Hey, we would love to host you for your hackathon and we can find you a happy hour, you know, sponsor. And I said, sure. Great. Let me know the dates. They're like, um, in three weeks, <laughs> we had a, we had a quick powwow with the women who code ladies. And we said, um, you guys want to do this in three weeks? <laughs> so we did in three weeks, you know, we all kind of, we got sponsorship monies. We got the messaging out. We had people like help us invite their members. And we had what, you know, some person, you know, some person said it at their happy hour. It was like the most diverse group of tech people they'd ever seen in Austin. And we had like 90 people show up to wow. participate in the hackathon. We had a Ruby workshop. We had an IBM Blue Mix workshop. I mean, I think next year we definitely want to try to have more workshops for beginners. Um, but it was just such a cool event. I literally, girl, I showed up Saturday morning because like, you know, Friday night we had the happy hour. So I was all stressed out and tired. And we got on TV, was interviewed by the local ABC affiliate, which was super cool. Oh, that's super um, cool. And so by the time I got home, I was just like wiped out. So I wake up Saturday morning at like eight o'clock and I'm like, why is this happening to me? But <laughs> I, I get to the Capitol factory and I like, and I'm just, you know, barely awake. And I look and I'm like, what are all these people doing here? <laughs> I was really shocked that so many people showed up that early on a Saturday. And um, and it was great. And so um, after that, you know, Holly spoke to the Women Who Code organization and, and Trisha and myself became co-directors of Women Who Code Austin. And, um, and so it's just been, you know, that's that's something that I would say to to folks who are kind of looking for that next job, looking, you know, trying to get their break, catch their break, um, go to a Women Who Code event, start your own event. I mean, I, I've, I've been so impressed and I'm not like a super like new agey person or anything, but we have a nice little group, uh, the Women Who Code um, organizers and co-directors and volunteers. And in the last few months, two of them have gotten new jobs making a bunch of money. Um, and you know, 
they've been helping the rest of us, like, you know, find jobs, get, you know, get bigger paychecks. I mean, it's just the, the, that when we're all together, we're so much more powerful than we are when we're like on our own. And so, yeah, that's exactly the point. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I'm just, I'm a true believer. I'm not saying this because, you know, I'm like, Oh, girl power, just for the sense of saying it, but you know, it's, it's not even just girl power. It's, it's any group that comes together with a purpose, with common, common experience. It's, that's where you find power. That's why the majority has power because they're already together with a common experience. We can do the same thing. Yeah. And, and it's been a really powerful, um, you know, it's been a really powerful moment in my life to be, you know, we have a, we call it, what is it? Ladies coding brunch on Sundays and we get together. We do a lot of women who code stuff gets done over brunch on Sundays, but you know, Hey, I'm working on this project. Does anybody know Angular? Da, da, da. Hey, I'm working on this job application. Can you look at my resume? Okay. Let's go over your LinkedIn profile. Like it's just tremendous. We can pool all of our resources together. So we have this big pile of resources as opposed to each one of us out there trying to make it happen. And so I, I, I have to say like, you know, I was, I wasn't feeling so good about myself. You know, I didn't have a job. Money was going out. I was like overweight. I was just like, woe is me. I'm so sad. And then I got these job offers and, you know, it was just the women who code kind of community or whatever really kind of helped me. It like, it was something I could lean on before, you know, while I, I got to where I wanted to go. So, um, and Holly, you know, Holly started women who code Austin when she was in, when she was in a boot camp, when she was here in Maker Square, I mean, she had moved from LA, didn't know anybody in Austin. She had some health issues and she said, Hey, you know what? I need a community. So she started one. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's what I would say. If you don't have a women who codes, you know, check out meet other meetups. You know, I started a JavaScript study group just amongst the people that I know, because we're all trying to better our skills, for example. Right. So create a community, like don't do it by yourself because, That sucks. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Women's Tech Radio. Remember, you can check out the show notes, which includes a full transcription over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Just click on Women's Tech Radio and scroll down. You can also hit us up on Twitter at HeyWTR. Or send us an email at wtr at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Thanks so much.